Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out Swiss and European fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad, and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello, and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today, we're joined by Mark. Mark is a managing partner of Illuminate Financial, a venture capital firm based in London, and a Deutsche Bank alumni, among other firms. So maybe let you, Mark, to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your experience in financial services and what you've been interested in in the past few decades. Fantastic. Well, thank you for having me here today, Rudy. It's greatly uh, appreciated. As you said, my name is Mark Beeston. I'm the managing partner and founder of Illuminate Financial Management. I set Illuminate up in uh, the start of 2014, during which time I've been very fortunate to be both the consumer or frequent non-consumer of what we now call fintech. I've been the entrepreneur, I've been the operator, and I've been the funder. And what we're doing at Illuminate is really kind of trying to bring the the lessons from each of those different perspectives into how we approach selecting companies and helping investing companies and bring them to market. I spent the first half of my career at Deutsche Bank on the fixed income derivative trading side, and I ended up ultimately as the chief operating officer of their global rates and global credit trading businesses. Right. I left Deutsche on sabbatical in 05, and I went to the entrepreneurial side of the fence establishing a trade processing subsidiary called T0, which is now Icelink, as a wholly owned subsidiary of the interdealer broker Creditex. And I joined them at an exco level at the same time that the private equity firm TA Associates invested into them and, and really learned, I guess, the hard way, albeit with some success, just how difficult it is to actually sell solutions back to managing directors, much like I used to be, in the financial markets space. That's really become a prime driver of how we approach the world at Illuminate, where we'll only invest where we believe we have the network to help the companies come to market. What made us successful at T0 was less about cutting edge technology and much more about, about having the industry network to take that technology to, to make it an adoptable solution. Right. So, but when we talk about Illuminate, maybe let's start from the basics. And if you just put things in the buckets, I guess you're focusing on B2B fintech and capital markets fintech. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, actually, I take a step higher than that. And I say we invest in financial markets technology. And the reason I say that rather than fintech is because I think that's actually two types of technology. I think it's fintech for financial markets participants. So, you know, risk platforms, market connectivity, reg, reg tech, anything that, you know, monoline serves our industry. And then we also invest in enterprise tech that targets financial markets participants as a core user base. So a great example of that from the first fund would be Privatar. They do data privacy. There's nothing fintech about data privacy, but obviously the financial markets applications of that are very wide ranging. Right. And, uh, well, you're based in London, right? A little more complicated than that. The firm is London headquartered. We have a team of 12 across London and New York with partner representation on the ground in both, uh, in both centers. 
And I split my time almost 50-50 between those two centers. And then we invest across the globe, but really at companies that are very focused on being back in the major financial markets in which we're headquartered. Right. Right. And so you mentioned that uh, you founded the firm a couple of years ago. I think you're now in your second fund. So how much money um, have you raised in that space, right? This is a, a little bit of a specialty in kind of investing because there are all kinds of VCs out there. But in capital markets, you know, you're one of the, the leaders, right? Yeah, I think it was very kind of you to say so. So you're right, we're on our second fund. Uh, we launched our first fund at the end of 2015. That was a £35 million fund, interestingly of which £34 million actually came from the sector, from a combination of anchor corporate LPs like Deutsche Börse and IHS Market, as well as high net worth individuals from the sector, which again gives us another form of industry knowledge and leverage and and ability to sort of validate our own investment hypothesis. We deployed that fund across 12 companies. And then we launched our second fund earlier last year, 2019. We're targeting £75 million for that fund. And so far, we've raised about half of that. Okay. And uh, so what kind of companies have you invested in and what are your criteria? Sure. So as you said, I mean, the first fund was very definitely capital markets technology focused. The second fund is a little broader. We define that as financial markets technology. It includes asset management and wealth tech. As I mentioned, we've invested in multiple geographic centers. So a little under half of our portfolio originates out of the UK. A little under half comes out of North America, but that is split across both the US uh, and a couple of companies in Canada, one in Montreal, one in Toronto. And we've invested as far away as one company in Singapore and on the continent, one company in Germany. And in terms of life cycle, I mean, where do these companies have to be? I mean, are you investing in some companies that have no revenue? I guess not. And if uh, you do something later, uh, later, then do you grow with them and yeah. you go beyond A, B, C round, etc.? So in terms of stage, it tends to be called a a Series A or a late seed deal. In terms of what you have, we say, look, the risk that we're taking is that you have a product with product market fit. Normally, that would mean annually recurring revenue. And the risk that we're taking is the risk of bringing you more broadly to market adoption. And we're taking that risk where we believe we have the network to help. We're not investing in PowerPoints. It needs to be a product. What that really means is on fund one, 10 of the companies had annually recurring revenue with everything from five figures to solid seven-figure revenue. And two of the companies had no revenue but had other forms of demonstrable client engagement. Right, right. And what do you look for in terms of tech? So I think that's a really good good question. And and the, um, the simple answer is we don't wake up looking for tech. Uh, In fact, actually, I annoy my team on an almost daily basis by describing us as being a business solutions investor first and a technology investor second. And what I mean by that is we're not waking up in the morning thinking about blockchain or AI because those are means to an end. We're waking up in the morning thinking about business problems. We're thinking about Hirschstadt risk. We're thinking about delivery versus payment. We're thinking about anti-money laundering. We're thinking about MIFID 2. 
And if those problem sets and our perceived need for solutions in, the, in those spaces lead us to distributed ledger or lead us to robotic process automation or lead us to artificial intelligence, then we're going to validate that that's the right technology for the job. But for us, it's problem and solution first and technology second. Understood. Makes sense, obviously. So I guess when you look at the founders team, where there would be only software engineers, they would probably say that you need to find a business person as well, right? At the minimum. And vice versa. I mean, I think what we tend to see in our space is the founding teams are are not really West Coast cutting edge technologists as much as London or New York based domain experts in some particular area of, uh, of financial markets that have then managed to complement themselves with the right technology partners. So you still need a pretty holistic set of skills to be able to deliver uh, a product, but these companies tend to very often be domain-led. Okay, understood. And how do you find them? I mean, um, maybe it sounds like a basic question, but I'd like to just know where you are in terms of your sourcing in, and your thinking. Some people say, well, we really just work with people that uh, somebody recommended to us, so we need to see warm introductions. Other people say, well, you know, we are open-minded and we spread our net widely, and then we basically double-check afterwards uh, on the founders team and we have our view. But we have AI crawlers that, go out there and they basically help us uh, to source the deal. So where are you on those two extremes? So maybe you're in the middle. Let's see. So again, I think one of the advantages of being focused on what is frankly, you know, a niche within a niche or a vertical within a vertical, you know, it's fintech, but not, but not all of fintech, just the sort of B2B part, as you said yourself is that you, you do establish a little bit of a reputation for kind of understanding the space. And so what we find is that we get a, a lot of inbound from all sources, from our industry partners, from consultants and incubators around the space, from banks, from buy side, from our existing portfolio, from companies that have come in to see us before that we might not have funded, but who were you know, somewhat surprised to discover that they were talking to people that they didn't have to explain what the Volcker rule was or how to spell MIFID. So probably 75% of it's inbound. We see something between six and 700 new companies to us a year. So there's a very robust supply of in-mandate uh, in companies. And then, of course, as you said, you know, we use a, a number of industry tools to allow us to enrich that database when, when themes emerge that we're interested in reaching out on. We, we supplement that with everything from Traxon and Crunchbase and good old-fashioned Google to, uh, to further enrich the, the pipeline. Right. And so you mentioned the inbounds. And of course, you know, these are potentially other banks or other uh, trading firms, uh, strategic partners, there are all kinds of other VCs that may want to co-invest with you. But what about the, the hubs or the initiatives that uh, maybe are not for profit even, that help the ecosystem? What's your view on that? Are they useful for you 
in sourcing the deals or not, you know, in other words, incubators and accelerators? Yeah, I mean, I, I really wouldn't kind of differentiate across that entire landscape as you just uh, as you just defined it, right? You can't be proud about where your pipeline comes from because at the end of the day, it's like hunting for diamonds or it's like hunting for, for gold, right? You've got to sift through an awful lot of dirt to find the bright, shiny object that you're that you're looking for, and uh, you know you can see a lot of inbound from lots of different kinds of sources, but ultimately, where the one comes from that you sort of turn around and say, you know, wow, that's the one I've got to invest in. You can't be proud about where that where that comes from. No, fair enough. I just thought that uh, you might have a better experience with one or the other partners but i think you care about the merit of the idea right i think it's important to also recognize like a lot of the companies that we see we get introduced to from multiple sources right you might get invited by another vc that's a generalist but wants to your specialist view you might have one of your bank partners or one of your existing clients from another portfolio company asking you in a meeting hey have you heard of uh, have you heard of these people do you have a view you know, you might see it at a demo day at one of the at one of the incubators. You might just read about it in a report, and uh, it might be a combination of, uh, of of all of the above. Right. The key thing is to be on receive mode, be open to suggestions, and uh, you know, when you're trying to find princes, you have to kiss a lot of frogs. Right. And uh, what's your investment approach, um, for example, in terms of a stake that you want to take, and what kind of if you always have a board seat or observe a seat. In other words, if you paint a little bit of a basic picture for a potential startup that would like to work with you, what is it like to work with you? Yeah, sure. So so I think firstly and foremost, yeah, as I mentioned, because our core DNA is that you know we only want to deploy capital where we have the industry network to help the company. When we invest, we expect to be the most active investor in the cap table, at least in the sort of, you know, the early stages where where we're funding, right? And that then drives everything else. There's no point in us putting that amount of human capital to work if we only own one or two percent of the company. So we're not trying to collect logos for, you know, future bragging rights. You know, we we want to own typically a double digit percentage of the company. The smallest we've gone is we've, we've taken 5% on the way in. Average on first fund was about 14%. And it needs, to, it needs to fit a market need. And we have to believe that we can, we can help because otherwise we're just capital. And there's a lot of capital out there of which we're just a, a small part. So you know, we've written checks as small as quarter of a million pounds. And we've written checks as large as to us as $4 million dollars. As a general rule, we tend to want a board seat. In some cases, that's been an observer seat uh, only. And in some cases, we invest at a late seed stage and a meaningful investors coming along and leading a significant B round a few rounds later. Then, you know, if, if we need to step away from the board at that point, we're happy to pass the baton. Okay, great. So can you share some success stories of the startups or the investments that you've made so far? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to. I mean, you know, with the caveat that, of course, you know, we are still an early stage investor ourselves. Our first fund is only four years old. We sold our first business uh, in summer of last year to, uh, to Bloomberg, which was an important moment for us. A large part of the exit landscape 
in enterprise fintech is trade sales. And so to kind of ring one of those up on the board was a, was a great moment for us. But, but what we're really excited about is, is the growth in the portfolio and the investors that are following us in because, you know, we have seen a great selection of really established venture capital investors coming in after us. I think most notably, Axel led a $40 million Series B for Privitar in, uh, in 2019. Partech had already led uh, a Series A for that company after, after we were in the, C, uh, the Series Seed in 2016. And we've had other great investors like Susquehanna, Viola Fintech, uh, most recently Eight Roads Fidelity Vehicle, uh, followers into Fund One companies. Each of our corporate LPs has actually invested in a company as well, which is great. And then we've seen bank investors follow us in, uh, follow us in as well. So the thing that actually really excites me about the portfolio that's you know, developing there is, is that actually it's not dominated by any one company. The majority of those companies have already gone on to do significant follow-on external, uh, external raises. Okay. Great. And, uh, well, I'd like to also know more broadly, what is your view on the state of B2B fintech or call it capital markets or financial technology for asset management, wealth management? I know now you defined it a bit more broadly. What, my, what I mean by this is years ago, people were talking about uh, fintech and they really meant B2C. And uh, now in Europe, people are talking about partnerships and uh, and also the banks are outsourcing their problem solution to, to startups. And uh, that's where the RecTech comes in as well, for example, or things like this. How do you see the prospects of this sort of a niche within the niche, as you said? I think it's a really exciting moment in time for, for, for the space, to be honest, Rudy. I, I mean, obviously, it goes without saying, I invested my career in establishing Illuminate for a reason. And the reason was as simple as I just kept saying to clients, you know, I believe the, the financial markets have entered a, a window of a once in a generation change of the infrastructure stack mainly actually as a response to the macro operating environment post the credit crisis rather than as a result of pure technology need but of course the macro requirement the you know the industry deleveraging that we've seen the massive multi-jurisdictional regulation that the industry is struggling to deal with the fact that we're living in a zero tolerance compliance environment that has arisen at the exact same time that as you said the technologies that we kind of take for granted in our viral consumer adoption journeys have started to kind of get to the point where regulated industry is now ready to to mass adopt them so you asked me earlier about you know what technologies were were exciting and i gave a sort of business solution orientated answer i think that's important to recognize you know the true value of big data the true value of cloud migration public cloud migration it's only we're only just in the foothills as a regulated industry in terms of really real true wide-scale adoption of those and, and it's a great and exciting enabling technologies and uh, you know and I think it's a you know it, it makes for a very exciting moment to be deploying capital 
into solutions that are enabled by that sort of next wave technical stack. Very good. So my last question is, uh, what kind of people would you like to hear from most, whether that's entrepreneurs that are looking for uh, an investor in that space or DLPs, and how do they find you? Sure. So uh, so we'd like to hear from both. Uh, you know, we're actively fundraising for Fund2. And so if there are individuals or organizations, institutions that are looking to deploy capital in a structured and intelligent way into financial markets technology, we would love to talk to you. I'm Mark at IlluminateFinancial.com. It's the uh, easiest way to get hold of me. And, and the same applies to entrepreneurs. If you've got a product and you've got some form of demonstrable product market fit and you're solving a real problem in financial markets and you want an investor that is more than just capital that can actually help de-risk your journey to success in this market, then we would absolutely love to hear from you as well. All right. Well, great. Thank you, Mark. And good luck to Illuminate. Well, thank you very much, Rudy. I appreciate the chance to talk to you and to your listeners today. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.